Welcome to the CareerWise Nurse Podcast. This is your place if you are launching your career as a nurse or are preparing to launch. If you're growing into your role or growing into a new role, or if you're seeking to thrive or just need a little refresh in your work as a nurse or your life as a nurse. Living your best nursing life doesn't just happen. It takes energy and dedication. On this podcast, you will have the opportunity to learn, live, and love all the experiences of being a nurse. Nursing is truly an amazing journey. It's your amazing journey. It's your license. It's your career. It's your job. It's your reality. And it's your certification. It's all about you. You will get strategies and stories, inspiration, information on how to live your best life in this podcast. This is all about helping you stay fresh, energized, and making sure that you are your best self on the job. And when you're off the job, when you finish that day shift or that night shift, or your day is done. And this is about today, tomorrow, and your nursing future. So hang on. Thank you for being here with me on this amazing journey that we call nursing life. Welcome to another episode of the CareerWise Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm Natalie Dietry. I'm your host. I'm an experienced nurse, and I'm here to help you launch, grow, and thrive as a nurse. Today, I have the privilege of presenting to you Elise Labat, an experienced nurse who has done many things at the bedside, away from the bedside in hospital settings, and much further beyond the hospital walls to make nurses have the best experience ever. And she has a new job now as a mom, which is so wonderful because she is currently able to balance being a nurse and being a mom and juggling her priorities so that her life is um, what she wants it to be. Elise, thank you for being here today, and I really appreciate having you here. I'd love for you to share a little bit about your nursing journey. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Natalie, and Maverick says hi, too. (laughs) Um, I have been a nurse for 10 years now. Eight of it, I was a progressive care nurse which is, uh, I guess, another term for it is like step down ICU, depending on where you work or live. And in that role, I trained hundreds of nurses from new grads to experienced nurses who just needed to transition to the specialty or our unit. Um, I was also a charge nurse and was part of tons of committees and all that fun stuff. And then I did a little bit of time on a med surge unit during COVID. I had moved. um, I just needed a change from PCU to something that was a little less acuity. And then COVID happened and we had half med surge and half COVID. And so the COVID side wasn't a lower acuity, but (laughs) 
We then decided to move to Texas and take a nurse educator position at a hospital. And I absolutely loved that. But then we had to move unexpectedly back. And that's when I just kind of settled down and started working more intently on resilient nursing. Resilient nursing is something that you have done in recent years to really help nurses explore their options, right? And see all the possibilities that they have inside and outside of the hospital. Would you be willing to share a little bit about your latest work, your your product that you created to share opportunities with nurses? Of course. Yeah. My latest work is I wrote a book and it's called uh, The Ultimate Guide to Nursing Specialties, Find Your Roadmap. And it's about all the nursing specialties that are possible both inside and outside of the hospital. And I really started that because when I moved unexpectedly from Texas, I knew that nursing wasn't, or bedside necessarily in the hospital wasn't for me anymore, or at least for now, I kind of needed a break. And I felt that so many nurses needed something different, but they just felt stuck or they didn't know what they could do instead. And so I started doing research kind of for my own purposes to figure out, well, what could I do that I would like, or um, what's out there really? And there are some other books on the market that don't really encompass the accuracy of that. Like they'll, um, they put like yoga instructor for one. (laughs) I'm like, that's not, it could be a nurse and a yoga instructor, but you don't need a nursing license to be a yoga instructor or they'll duplicate specialties. And so I wanted something that was an accurate representation of what nurses do and encourage people not only with their options, but I have a chapter on the six six essential steps to change your specialty. And that's so it can walk you through how to make those changes. How do you make a move from point A to point B So I love your book and how you lay out a roadmap, because I often say nursing is a journey. It is an epic journey. And you say in the beginning of your book, where are you going and what route will you take to get there? First of all, the steps for change, you know, you're helping people realize they need to look at what other options do they want to make a change? How do you begin to get there? And then even if the change that you're thinking of making is right for you, because there are so many things where somebody else could be like, oh, this is what you should do. Or you have like a romanticized image of what a certain specialty or place would be. And it's really getting down to the nitty gritty of is the truth of that specialty really going to speak to who I am as a person? And is that a change that's going to make me happier or is that going to change be a change that just adds more stress in my life because it's not really meant for me. So when I look at your steps, pick your destination, you realize something just isn't right or you have a dream. Where do you want to go? What specialty are you considering? And I think about nurses who always had their vision of being a nurse in the emergency department Mm -hmm. or labor and delivery. Well, when they go to school, they may be able to have a clinical experience or a a preceptorship opportunity in the area they always dreamed of being, you know, just by chance it works out or they have contacts, their faculty help them to make connections so they can 
see what it's like where they thought they wanted to be. And, you know, they can see that firsthand, you know, is that right or not? And then um, they may decide they want to do something else completely different. So, you know, pick your destination. It may be something they dreamed of, or it may be from an experience they simply had as a student. They were placed there. You know, what in, you talk about what is the intensity? Do you want to be in a hospital or do you want to be outside the hospital? So when you talk about picking your destination, could you tell us a little bit about um, the early journey for nurses and where they may start besides just the hospital? Yeah, usually uh, for new nurses, if they're brand new from school, it's you almost kind of take whatever job that you can get as a new grad, right? You want to get the experience. And a lot of times that means you take a new grad program at a hospital and you're kind of stuck in whatever slot that they put you in, which may be where you want and may not necessarily be where you want to go. Um, But there's also other places that you can go outside the hospital. Um, I had a friend who ended up working at a jail as a new grad, and she absolutely loved it. It wasn't necessarily where she intended to go to start with, but that's where she got a job. And she found out she really enjoyed working with that population. So with that, we talked about sometimes the hospital is because we've talked before and we realized the hospital isn't always the place for every nurse to start for a couple of reasons. Um, Sometimes it doesn't work in people's lives, 12 hour days or 12 hour nights, weekends, holidays, and not always having a set schedule. In fact, likely you're not going to have a set schedule (laughs) or as a new nurse. So when we talk about new nurses, there's more than just the hospital. And you and I have both been educators. We talked about new nurses may not be able to function with the level of acuity in a hospital, mm-hmm. med surge, you were in progressive care. Yes. And that's a step up from med surge, not quite critical care. But when you think about the acuity there, it may not be something every nurse is able to do, even if they have the greatest preceptor and the most confidence. It's yeah. not realistic to think that every nurse can keep their head above water in such a demanding situation even med surge, progressive care, or we hear nurses that want to start in critical care or they their goal is to get to critical care. What other options would you recommend for nurses based on your experience and with your work in the book for nurses that are thinking about, you said the jail, places where they might have a schedule that works for them in their life besides the hospital? Yeah, a lot of doctor's offices will also take new nurses. And that you could have typical eight to five, five days a week um, school nurses. Sometimes they require some experience in order to do that. And you do have to have a special certification for that. But that would just be a few extra classes to get that certification. But then like if you have kids, you want to be on the kids schedule. What better than to be a school nurse where you're working around the school holidays versus an office holidays. And so you almost on an identical schedule as your kid. And being able to take them to school and pick them up and kind of define what you want to do in life. Because we are saying from your book, step one for making change, pick your destination. And with the high demand for nurses, it's hard for us to encourage you to take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about different specialties and different areas to practice, 
you've just mentioned needing a certification. Well, if you're looking at a position, whether you're still a student or whether you're a nurse that's working, joining professional organizations or connecting with a specialty group for the nurses in that practice area where you want to work is one way to get information and learn about that practice area and what the nurses in that in that specialty or that setting, what they do. Also, you can network with other people to learn more about the job directly from people working in those settings, like a doctor's office. Also, I think of clinics. You said eight to five or day, daytime hours, probably no weekends, probably not holidays. You might still have a chance for nine-hour days or 10-hour days in a clinic setting or an outpatient setting or an office setting. When I think of clinics, I think of infusion. And I know that in oncology, where I've spent a lot of time working, new nurses do get hired. Now, the orientation is lengthy and you can have preceptors, just like in a hospital, and you may be giving complex treatments when you are ready and you're learning assessment, Um, not quite as detailed as in the hospital, but certainly IV skills, uh, assessing skin, taking a brief intake, getting a history on symptoms, teaching about symptom management. You're doing a lot that you will learn in your early practice time in an outpatient setting. So you yeah. have time to develop the critical thinking skills and the decision-making that hospital nurses also do, but you may have a chance to do something that fits a little better in your life. Yeah. And I had a friend who started a behavioral health hospital. And so he had some regular hours going forward, but you're not doing IVs necessarily there, but you're still using all those assessment skills that are critical to hospital nursing mm-hmm. and a lot of times people don't want to get stuck into a non quote unquote, like regular hospital position because they feel like they'll be stuck there or they won't be able to move into a hospital position. But my friend ended up moving and he got a job in the ER and that's actually a perfect place for someone with experience in behavioral health to go because how many patients with mental health issues do you get in the emergency room before they go up to the units? Like, a lot, a lot. <laughs> and he's able to use his experience in a way that the ER nurses and even the ER doctors don't know how to handle them. He's like, oh, did you check this blood level because he's on this medication? And the doctor's like, no, I didn't even think of that. And so all these things that you would have thought, oh, he'd be stuck in a psych unit or some sort of mental health capacity for the rest of his career. And no, he's able to go and do something as intense and difficult as the ER. And you can always learn how to do an IV. You can always learn certain hospital skills, but it's the assessment and the critical thinking skills that you, that are kind of universal and can take you anywhere. So those psych mental health skills are highly specialized, but widely applicable, applicable in an emergency room setting where you have a lot of people that are in a mental health crisis or are having serious adverse events from those therapies that the general population of medicine and nursing are not often intimately knowledgeable about where your psych mental health nurse has that skill set. Yeah. I know myself, I'm pretty limited in the (laughs) psych (laughs) medications, treatments. 
So I love that your two stories, your your friend who worked in the prison system and the story about the nurse who went into the ER without having previous acute care experience, if as they would probably say when you look at um, levels of experience in a hospital setting versus psych mental health. But those psych skills are, you know, communication, the knowledge base on the medicines, some of that someone might call soft skills, the communication piece, that therapeutic communication, but it's very specific to that population that in psych mental health. And those are really essential skills for working with that population or triaging potential psych patients, people with a psychiatric diagnosis or mental illness that come into the ER. So I love those examples. And when I look at step two, think about what you want from your new adventure. So I talked about specialty organizations, um, even that chance to network. You, um, anything to say about the ideal work environment? We mentioned scheduling, nights and days, holidays, hours, how to make things fit and make a job fit in someone's life rather than you having to fit your life into a job. Any other comments on that? Yeah. And there's a lot of things to go into an environment. It's even what's the culture of that unit because one PCU can be wildly different from another PCU and even one hospital in a same system could be different from the sister hospital. And it's really being able to talk to, I think one of the steps is talking to the locals, like what you said with professional organizations and people who've worked there um, really find a network people who are in that environment that you want to go to, to see if that would be right for you and not necessarily listen to everything that they do, but like take it with a grain of salt because <laughs> everyone's experience is different, but the more locals you talk to, the better picture you can get and see if you would actually thrive in that environment. And you do say talk to the locals That's step three. So plan your route. You mentioned certifications. Step four is plan your route. And it says, are there certifications you need to qualify? So we said in the beginning, new nurses may have opportunities and should pursue opportunities outside of the hospital when they begin to practice. Also, nurses with experience may find that there's opportunities outside of the hospital. Of course, we know there's nursing opportunities in many, many places. But in planning your route, are there certifications that are needed to qualify for a new position? And the answer may be yes or no, but learning through your networking with the locals, step three, um, helps you to plan and then move on that plan. Any any insight you want to share with the listeners, our nursing colleagues and friends about planning the route? Yeah. Sometimes in life, I get a dream of, oh, I would love to be here at this specialty or in this particular area of work. And sometimes where you are right now, you either need to get those certifications or you're just in a time of life where maybe you just had a new baby. So going back to take classes isn't necessarily on as a possibility, but if you have a plan, then you can set goals for it. Oh, when the baby starts napping more, then I could take a couple online courses or when he gets to age, whatever, then I can change or maybe temporarily, even though I don't want to I'll stay where I am because the schedule fits. So just because you may not necessarily be currently where you are, if it's meeting the needs of you outside of work, if it's meeting your family and your personal needs, then like, that's beautiful. If you're able to provide for the family in the way that you need to in the moment, 
then take that time to take the time to start planning your route and to get goals and strategies in place. So that way, when you get to a point where you can make moves, where you can start to take classes, you already know what you're going to do and it'll make that transition smoother. And when you talk about building the network, your next step, step six is pack your bags. So Mm -hmm. that's move to action. But in the meantime, if there's a reason why people need to take a break, personal reasons or demands in the family, anything, whether it's temporary or something where it's permanently part of your life and you need to figure out how to make changes that work for your career and your family, you can prepare, but the baby might not even allow you to sit and do an online course or uh, read an article or do your basic continuing education that you need to keep up your license. These are short moments in time is what I want to point out because the first couple months after having a baby, if you have time off or your employer offers maternity leave or paternity leave, you know, that people don't even go to work when they're not, when they don't have to, after having a baby. So that time is a small amount of time, a couple months perhaps. But even if you're not working for a short while because you made a change or you had the opportunity to leave one position and you're seeking another, those are very short moments in time. And for yourself, when you look back or for an employer, when they see that, these are not long episodes or gaps that are going to keep you from growing as a nurse. Yeah, seasons change. Winter turns to spring, (laughs) spring turns to summer, summer turns to winter. And so there's, like you said, there's such small time periods in really the grand scheme of things to not be discouraged if you can't, if you feel like you need to make a move, but you can't right now, but you can always prepare for the next season by getting that winter coat. So that way it's in your closet when it happens. Yeah, that's really resilience too, because you need options or you need to have the mindset and practice and grow that mindset. So you know that when there are bumps in the road, as you say in your book, that slow you down, know that this is not permanent and expect some challenges along the way. Mm -hmm. And when we think about the work of a nurse, whether it's an office setting or the hospital, some days are very challenging. Extreme. That is not to say that every day is going to be a day where you don't get a break to go to the bathroom or eat lunch. I know that happens in an office setting or a clinic setting, just like in the hospital, but have plans and don't set them aside just because I have a baby. I can't go to work until they're in kindergarten because it just doesn't seem possible. That is not true. If you want choices in your work and you want to have that balance, the world is out there for you to pursue. It's just that having a fixed schedule can be challenging and you may need to be flexible. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about some of the far out places in your book that you wrote about for specialties, like Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that after hearing about it, I'm like, oh yeah, they would need to have medical staff probably on the campus somewhere. It's, it's huge campuses and uh, people fall, people probably have heat stroke and all these different things that happen but Disneyland is one of them. And in doing the research, I found that you typically need to have either IC or ER experience. And at first I was like, wait, why do you need that acute care experience when it's like trauma or anything? But 
a lot of older people go to Disneyland. What if they trip and fall? And one of the things that in my research, they said the the little tram rails where they have like the train that goes through is actually a spot where a lot of falls happen because people will trip on the different like uh, uneven areas of the rails. And so you can have a lot of broken hips or broken ankles or sprains, all this stuff that essentially can be trauma related and may not be like, they need to immediately go to a trauma hospital afterwards, but you need that immediate experience to know how to assess the situation. Is this critical? Is this not? What does this patient need? And be able to get them the help that they need. Uh, another one is, oh, were you going to say something? Tell me, tell me more. Tell me more. Uh, I love these adventures that nurses go on. Yeah. You can work for a corporation like Google hires nurses for their staff or a Tesla. Like they, they have nurses that they hire in order to oversee the health of their employees. And it's like, I never thought of like, oh, I could just go work for Google and I'm not a tech person. Like, <laughs> You're not pigeonholed into pure like healthcare settings as a nurse too, which is really interesting to look forward. So you say corporate nursing is a low intensity program. Excuse me. You say corporate nursing is a low intensity position. Some days a corporate nurse tends to work, work, tends to work related injuries or sick employees. Other days, the nurse develops smoking cessation or exercise programs. I realize that those campuses are very attractive to employees. Well, pre-COVID. And <laughs> it seems like we're all over the map in terms of back to work in different corporations now. But they have very attractive campuses with a lot of amenities to keep people there, hanging out, socializing, taking breaks from work. I think they want to keep them there working, working, working in attractive <laughs> environments. And you're there to help them make sure that they're taking care of themselves when you're a corporate nurse. I'm sure there's a lot of opportunities and it's a very creative role. I also know that there are um, different ways to connect with others that also work in corporate jobs. Executive health, that's not the same. Corporate jobs, employee health. Yeah. <laughs> corporate organizations. And you can get certified in occupational health nursing, which I realize some of that is um, for back injuries, preventing injury, you know, focus on workers' compensation. So that would also be part of a corporate job, wouldn't it, perhaps? I would assume so, yeah. Or it may overlap with the nurses that are under the HR piece or their workers' comp. Yeah, they might have more duties regarding education on like, uh, is the term ergonomics? Mm -hmm. Or it's like the angles of your, your wrists with the computer and having them at a certain eye level. So that way you're not um, cranking your neck to reduce wrist pain and things like that in order to keep the employees as healthy as possible. So tell me lastly, a little bit about, um, you talk about humanitarian nursing. Share a pearl from that research. Yeah, um, I think humanitarian nursing is awesome. There's a lot of organizations out there like Heart to Heart International, the Mercy Ships. Um, I had a friend who did the Mercy Ships for a couple of years, which was really cool. I worked with Heart to Heart for a short-term interval. So it also, you don't need to do it for your full-time career, but you can go on for short-term treatments, like either after a disaster, like the hurricane, and then they send trips of um, doctors and nurses there in order to help with immediate needs. 
when I went to Heart to Heart International, it wasn't after a disaster. Uh, we went to Haiti with a group of nursing students. I was kind of the leader and overseer of the nurses, nursing students. And we went to the rural towns and provided healthcare. So we did screenings with blood pressure, um, made sure that they got the medicine that they needed. The people would come because these are rural areas. Sometimes they'd walk for hours just to get where our clinic was going to be that day. And our clinic was out of a suitcase. <laughs> so we would unpack for the day in that city and they would come from, from all over the place in order to make sure that they get the medicine that they need. And then they'd go back and then we would drive to the next rural area. And then people would walk for hours to come to that city and get the medicine that they need. And it was a really amazing experience to see how needed healthcare is in these areas and to be able to provide it was really, really a blessing to be a part of. That's a really amazing experience to be able to go to Haiti or a place where many people are very poor and don't have access to regular healthcare in normal times, let alone when there's been a natural disaster that vastly affects what infrastructure they had in place already. Yes. How long were you in Haiti? Three weeks. Three weeks. And do you remember how many people you touched or cared for in your experience, like, or your clinic? Oh, goodness. We did hundreds. And we saw um, everyone from infants to the elderly. We had even some, we did vaccines, we did treated infections and wounds and education, a lot of education with how do you take the medicines? And a lot of the patients, they would actually share their medicine because they wanted to help their coworker, their, not their coworkers, their family. And so like we had to educate them on, you actually need this medicine for yourself because if you don't take all of it, your blood pressure is going to continue to be high. And the, if we bring your family member in, then they can also get the medicine too. And I know that's not always feasible in lower economic countries, but it's doing our best to make sure that they're healthy and to encourage their family members to be healthy as well. And um, we even saw things that we don't see in the U S like mumps. We had a patient with mumps and just helping them, giving them treatments and um, educating the family about how to best be safe around them and to limit like other kids exposure to them for the meantime. That's really neat. So I love the share, the sharing of stories that you provided today, your own and others. And I really applaud you on your book, the ultimate guide to nursing specialties. I would love for you to tell us how our listeners can get in touch with you. And I will provide this information in the show notes. And I also will provide a link to your book. Before we close, could you just tell us a little bit about resilient nursing? Yeah, resilient nursing is uh, kind of a passion project of mine because since early on in my career, I've noticed the lack of mental health in the hospital, particularly the hospital setting. Because that's where I was in. I was actively coding a patient. My phone's ringing off the hook. And it was the ER trying to give me a patient <laughs> and it's like a little busy. And at one point I ended up checking my phone toward the door. So that way one of the runners could just take it out. Cause it was so distracting to have this phone going off while you're doing compressions. And as soon as the patient got whisked off to the ICU, my manager handed me my phone and was like, call the ER back. <laughs> and I'm like, can I, 
get a glass of water? Can I like take a breath? Like my arms are dead right now from all the compressions I just did. Can I Um, wash my hands? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And it became a project of mine to, I created a debriefing tool to be used in the hospital setting and we implemented it on my unit. And that was part of my master's thesis to do that. And it got taken hospital wide. And so this passion has just carried on since then that I want to help other nurses and I coach other nurses through building resilience and being able to handle the good, the bad, everything in between, and to also really take stock of what their values are in life. And as their seasons change, how do you adjust what you're doing to fit what you need in those seasons in order to thrive? In order to thrive really amazing and so needed. I feel like you were a little bit ahead of the curve in creating resilient resilient nursing um, as COVID came on and the demands on those working on the front lines and in the entire hospital setting and really in the greater healthcare community, they really need you now and what you're doing. Thank you. So I have your website as www.resilientnursing.com. And is the email info at resilientnursing.com still the best way to reach you? Yes, that'll be the best way to get to me. Great. And I will include your contact information in the show notes, as I mentioned. I am so glad that you spent time with us. And Maverick is so happy that his mom is doing so many great things. (laughs) Your stories are soothing and you're able to do it all at once. You are really dedicated and making a difference. And I appreciate your time today. Our listeners will be able to reach out to you and find your book. I have it and I love it because I'm very passionate about helping people find all their options so they can launch their career, grow into their role, new role, new specialty, new practice setting, and thrive. We want everyone to have options, be fulfilled, and do work that they love as a nurse. Yes. And one final note, just because you get to your destination and then you end up realizing that you don't like it, that doesn't mean you failed. That just means you found something new about yourself and it'll help you get to the next destination that will actually be a better fit. So true. Thank you so much, Elise. I will be talking to you again soon. This is not the first time we've connected. (laughs) I really appreciate everything you've had to share. And I wish you all the best. Keep going with resilient nursing. It is what we need for our nurses today and tomorrow. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast. Connect today with the CareerWise Nurse Podcast community. Do this by emailing belong at careerwisenurse.com. That's B E L. O-N-G at careerwisenurse.com. Join the CareerWise Nurse Facebook group. A link is provided at the bottom of the page. Leave a review for this podcast. Scroll past the episodes where you will see write a review. I read every review because I want to know what you think, what you want to know, who you want to meet to help you live your best nursing life. Tap on the stars to rate this podcast. Thank you. Talk to you soon.